Hey Warriors, hello listeners. This is Julie Brown. Welcome to Happy Hamstrings, the podcast I designed to share with you all of my fitness journey, uh, fun adventures, and today we're going to talk to Becky. I met her, it was either 2013 or 2014, when I was teaching both Pound Fit and yoga in a karate studio in Piedmont, Alabama. She was coming to do both pound and yoga, but she really fell in love with yoga. And I told her that she could be a teacher if she wanted to. And now she's a certified teacher. I'm really proud of her journey. Uh, we um, We got that fun experience of going to the Atlanta workshop together in 2014, September 21st, 2014. It seems like so long ago. Um, yeah, so she's got a great personality. She's just a ray of sunshine. And, you know, the type of people that just fill up the room with all their bubbly energy. We love these types of people, yes. And so I want to share um, her journey with you because it's touched my life a lot to make yoga accessible to someone that I met years ago and and I encourage them always to go to other teachers, go to workshops, go to trainings. And that's exactly what Becky did. And yes, I'm excited for you to meet her. Hello. Becky? Hello, Becky? I, I, I'm here. Hey, <laughs> I, you're being recorded. <laughs> well, that, that was my ear. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So now, how are the- how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm just sitting here having my coffee and just been sorting out things, cleaning up a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, um, thanks for. I'm gonna go. Wait, let me turn. Let me turn up the volume just a little bit so we can hear you. What'd you say? I... Oh, wait a minute. I figured it out. <laughs> oh. there technical difficulties yeah <laughs> oh no we don't want do we want to meet the microphone or not no okay she shut up <laughs> <laughs> life with the blind you know i was gonna try to put on my mask but i think we're socially distanced enough so yeah i don't think you need the mask <laughs> you're so funny <laughs> so um Thanks for being on the podcast. For those of you who don't know, Becky is hilarious, first of all. <laughs> Probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. And um, I was just uh, on another segment. I was just explaining to them that you went with me to the AFA Yoga um, Safety Workshop that was in Atlanta. Can you believe that was 2014? <laughs> wow, God. Uh, yeah, I was trying to remember when it was. And it's like, gee, that seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah. <laughs> I remember telling the instructor, she said, if I catch you looking in the mirror, I will basically come over and push you over. And I said, oh, please don't, because I can't. <laughs> I remember this moment. It was so funny. So the, the teacher basically tells everybody that if you look in the mirror, that is not a focal point because you're, you've got to focus on something that's not moving. And if you look at yourself in the mirror, you're surely going to move. So mm-hmm. she was like, you're just going to screw yourself over looking in the mirror. And then she kind of got like, if I see any of you looking in the mirror, I'll push you over. And you raised your hand. Becky raises her hand and says, if I do it, it's on accident. Because I don't, 
she basically is like, I can't see which way the mirror is. And I like to have doubled over. I died. I was like, wow, Becky. <laughs> There were 90 other people in that class. Yeah, they were cracking up. And you remember we came back from lunch one day, and they the, the there was a basketball game broke out because we were in, like, a student rec center. Yeah. <laughs> and we had to dodge flying basketballs to get back in. It was and a busy – it was a busy place. That was a – actually, that was one of the nicer gyms I've ever seen. I'm trying to remember the name of the college, but it was one of those colleges that – you oh, know, we invested a lot. Yeah, we were at Georgia Tech. Oh, yeah, Georgia Tech. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was so... I was like, I had a friend that had gone there, and I, I'd always thought it was great, you know, and everything. So, it was just like, wow. I the vastness that. of that gym. Wow. And now, yeah. JSU's got one even bigger than that, because they were like, they just, they had already had this thing planned before the tornado hit Jacksonville to build this huge gym, and then... Oh, yeah. And then it's just like the tornado came and they had already laid out the groundwork, even though they'd not started building. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. It just, it's weird. Like, at first the gym was like this tiny Stephenson Hall, I think it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's where exactly it was. That was the original. So, did gym. you go to JSU? Oh. Yeah. Okay. okay. What was your, what was your major? Well, the first time I majored in my useless degree, I call it the Bachelor <laughs> of Science in Education. Majoring in history and minoring in English. English, yeah, you can tell that. Um, <laughs> and I went back for a liberal arts degree in two thousand two. Finished in two thousand three. Somebody said, "Why didn't you take you know two years to finish instead of eighteen months?" And I said, "You don't understand. I graduated nineteen years ago." in 2003 and I said if I make it 20 years since I graduated I'm going to feel very much like an antique not like no I already did but it was like okay let's just take it a notch further well I talked about this on one of my other podcast episodes I'm considering going back I'm pretty it's not like a 100 well it is a 100 percent but I don't know if I'm gonna go full-time or part-time right Uh now it just looks like part-time will be the best option (laughs) Because well, it's expensive. Okay. Yeah, I did part-time. And what's funny was um, I had the 30 hours and I only needed two more classes in history to complete the history requirement for the state. And I can teach English or history, either one. Um, I'm uh, available for tutoring, so I'll throw that out there. So, you know. Yeah, if anybody wants a, a tutor, you can reach yes. out to me and I'll get you in touch with Becky. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, I, I helped with papers and research and stuff like that. But what was so funny was I went back and then so I had to go back in 2013 and finish it up. And in 2014, I really finished. And my husband, who is driver and everything else, and, you know, whenever he's not in the way and I'm not hitting him with cane, <laughs> giving him a TV snack every now and then, he was class with me. And I'm just imagining you using your walking cane to beat him. Oh, I can beat the crap out of him. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, Don't beat I, him up. I've taken down weeds with it. I took There was a weed growing in our front yard, and I just told my friend back up all the way over to the uh, sidewalk, the other end of the sidewalk, which was about 15 feet away, and I just hauled off and swung for the fences. And I took that weed down. I didn't need a weed eater, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's like... 
that's the scariest thing I think I've ever seen anybody do with a white cane. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you were already so flexible when you came to my yoga class first and I guess it was 2014. You had a background in dancing though, right? Um, I take my full, you know, I've been belly dancing about the same time. Okay. Yeah. uh, Oh yeah. You you were taking lessons from Brenda who took lessons from me, like in 22, I mean, 2000 and it was like 2005 when she used to come to my classes. Right. And, uh, I I didn't actually didn't do as much with belly dance until after I'd started yoga. Okay, so, so where was your first yoga class? With you. Oh, okay. At the at the, uh, we were what was it? Street. Survivalist Martial Arts was the name of it. Yeah. At Heather's place. Yes, and that was my first class, and I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, I'll edit myself. Um, <laughs> no, no, I've got it set where you can swear because I'm. I'm not, this is an adult podcast. It's okay. Oh hell yeah! Yes, you are free. <laughs> Freedom of speech, my dear. Oh good, good. We're good. Uh, Okay. You're in a safe place. This is just the internet. It's just a podcast. Um, yeah. Just don't don't say anything that would get us sued. <laughs> uh, I can't yeah, think I what that would be at the moment, but. <laughs> oh, I can come up with something. Oh no! Don't challenge I, Becky. All right. So, yeah. how did you hear about the Here Now Yoga program you took? Well, I actually went. Um, I made a resol. I never make resolutions. I hate New Year's resolutions. I think. <laughs> Silly. Wait, wait. Why do you hate New Year's resolutions? It's something that you probably won't ever do. And like I, saying you're going to do it, it kind of dooms you into like a. You think it takes it away, like a. I, yeah, it does. Like I a think, confirmation that you won't. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I, I love these people. I'm only fifty pounds this year. Okay, well, if you know, you put down the fries first, that'll help. But <laughs> it, you know, just. You know, set down the burger, the fries, the milkshake. I love that line in Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion when she's like, all we have to do is get boyfriends and jobs. And then she was like, if it was that easy, don't you Uh think we would have done it by now before our reunion? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's It's just kind of like you just go out and get people's, you know, men's clothes. If you don't have a boyfriend or a husband, you just go out and get men's clothes and take pictures of them hanging in the closet and then, you know, they used to have a fake picture of a guy in your wallet when you had that. And <laughs> wallet <laughs> pictures. Yeah, you know. Okay, okay. So, you back to the resolution. You made, yeah. what what year you made a resolution? In 2015, 20, January 1st. 2015? 2018. Oh, 2018. Um, <laughs> but, well, actually, you know, it was, I saw the booty yoga, which basically looked, like a belly dancer falling down, you know. Yeah, you and I attended a booty yoga together. Yeah, it looks like a belly dancer falling down trying to do yoga. (laughs) And bless her heart. That's what you want to say is just bless her heart. You're you're cracking me up right now. (laughs) I had one yogi that said to me, this was one of the more anatomy-based teachers I had, not more of the chakra-based, but the anatomy-based teachers. She said to me that yeah. no one should ever have put the word yoga in booty yoga. She said a, a lot of conventions with the experienced yoga practitioners, they kind of were a little, you know, I don't want to say miffed, but they were like, that's not yoga. Like booty yoga. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they get in the poses, 
But I'm all I'm all about whatever makes somebody move. At the same time, I wouldn't. I don't think that I could see myself teaching something that I. I hate to say this, but I'm a personal trainer. But I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, that's kind of to me like more high risk. Yeah. Because it's so it's kind of like how pound is real fast, and they throw in jumping lunges. And if you've got someone who doesn't align themselves properly. And they try jumping lunges day one. You know what I mean? This is high risk. It's just, but I mean, it's one of the things that one of my teachers says it's get things get messy and everybody's responsible for their own alignments and bodies, you know, and if we get injured, it's usually something stressing us out outside of class. Right. And you're not focusing because, you know, I took pound with you for a few classes. Yeah. Um, I never could put my ass in the right place. (laughs) So, you know, it was like it was too high or too low. And it well, like- yeah, it's a lot of school. It's like pound classes are just like, I used to jokingly call them the 5,000 squats class. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, it's, it's like a 5,000 squats. You know, yeah, I, I admire you for doing it. And <laughs> those, um, I'm going to die in this class. So I'm I'm going to step out before I end up killing myself. And she's going to feel bad and I am too. Oh, no, you. no, no. Well, you know, like I say, I want everybody to, you know, push yourself to the, the edge, but don't go so far out of your comfort zone that it's too much risk. Right, right. And, you know, sight, sight was sort of a requirement for it, I will say, you know, to do better. Well, yeah. it's yeah, it's fast paced, so we would have to review all the moves because it is such a fast paced thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm slowly, I hate to say this, I have a cast on my leg right now from knee to toe. And somebody said, do you kneel in that thing right now? I said, not quite as well as I used to, but, you know, and they didn't understand how I could do a lotus position. And I said, well, I'm not walking. So, you know, that's, that's a good thing. And I said, but, you know, it's easy to do lotus. I didn't realize that I constantly find myself folding my knees up into that position. Well, yeah, your, your hips are very open. You can stack your shins. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can put your feet face up. Mm-hmm. And this is a position, if you're listening to this and you don't know what lotus, if you're like, what the hell is lotus pose? Lotus pose is when you see the Buddhist monk paintings and their legs are crossed and somehow their feet face the sky. <laughs> That's right. lotus. Um, yeah, I can not even come close yet. But that's a goal for me. Um, yeah. It makes me kind of, like, frustrated. Like, my husband can watch TV and fire log like, with his shin stack easily. Oh, yeah. But he always just crosses his legs in fire log. And I, I cannot even come <laughs> If I try to stack my shin, <laughs> this is just a personal hip issue. If I try to yeah. stack my shins, my knee is jacked up. But, see, I think that's why that it's easy for me to show regressions <laughs> because it's right. relatable, the hip tension, you know, right. For well, so many people point. have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, and it's tough. And so, you know, that's where I've actually had people that also had hip issues that were jacked up that they could do like only half Lotus. You know, they got one knee pointing toward the sky and the other one's, you know, down on the floor and I'm going, well, it's a start, you know, um, but they're just not comfortable getting that um, widening experience. And I guess having had my daughter at 
19, 20 years old. Um, she just turned 38 last week, just to make me feel more ancient. Um, you know, and to be almost 60 years old, I'm looking at it going, hey, bonus, <laughs> you know, I'll take that. I want to be 115 and still getting Lotus. Of course, somebody's probably going to have to pick me up by the elbows and maybe get the next position, you know. Now, you've overcome so many different things from the, you had to change your diet for your cholesterol. Besides the, the leg that you're talking about with the cast, you've had a shoulder issue, a neck issue. Oh, yeah. That's when I went through training. I had the shoulder and neck issue and was going into plank three weeks after surgery to repair a major problem with the shoulder and let's just say I was a three-legged plank um because you know going into plank and you're sitting there going oh and it was the most intense experience I'd ever had and so this was from January 1st 2018 when I decided you're going to do this this year you found a yoga class um and that's when I went into the Here Now teacher training, and it was only their second class of doing this, so it, they were still new to it. And here walks in this blind person saying, I'm here, I'm ready to flop in the floor, let's go. <laughs> and that's pretty much, that was my New Year's resolution, and when I stuck with it even more, and it became more intense, and I got my certificate for graduation, I was like, I did it. I really did it. Yeah. (laughs) That is so awesome. So I came up with a routine people could follow. And I said, if you're having a problem, let's modify. And that was the one thing that I really liked doing for people was modifying it to their individual problem. Right. So, you know, they always kick off with a Chiha Mountain retreat. So tell me the best part of that experience for you. Okay, um, it was the fact that I learned that, um, well, there was a lot of things to learn. One, <laughs> I, I, I did not care for Silent Sunday because then I became Helen Keller. Right, not being able to to can't talk to anything. folks or uh, can't mm-hmm. see. Right, that's one of the eight limbs of yoga. If you're listening to this and you're like, if you're listening to this and you don't do yoga and you're like, why would they do that? They did this at mine as well for but it was for a weekend um and because it's sensory deprivation of any sort and you've already got obviously you already have to deal with one sensory deprivation so it's even more intensified for someone like becky so what would you say to someone who's listening to this podcast and they stumbled upon it and they're like a blind yogi and they're maybe new to the journey if you have any words for someone listening like that i would say be patient with yourself don't beat yourself up step back when you can't do something and come back at it later and just take your time uh patience is one thing that was positive that i learned um silent sunday it was really funny like i said because everybody wanted to talk that were normally very talkative they would come and be my side of God. I had about 30 people stacked up to guide me around so they could talk to me. And I was like, you don't really want to talk to me. You just want to talk. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of blackmail material on confessions. You're so funny. Well, you know what? I didn't even let you answer the other question about what the best part of the retreat was. 
I went ahead. I skipped to the next question, and I don't even have those two written down. Well, yeah, the best part of it was there were so many diversifications of people, and when you get people into that mindset, and then you realize, oh, really, there's only 20 people going to be in my class. We went from like a hundred people in this giant lodge room. Or may not have been that many. I just may have ran over 20 people five times a week. But, um, but it was just the, the work and the fun. And they they tried to keep an eye so you didn't hurt yourself. And, you know, knowing that you're, you're pushing yourself toward a very happy goal. That it's not the, the end route is not so much to say just I did it. But I enjoyed doing it. Right. I felt natural. Right. That's what I've learned is the enjoying the process of mm-hmm. even the most simple things. And then that carries outside of yoga into life. Right. And then I start realizing what things did I not appreciate. And then I was like, wow, pretty much everything. <laughs> I didn't appreciate it enough. Well, and then, the, one thing, <laughs> I, the one bad thing I came away from was... Um, we had a lot of people that were very much into being vegan and that's great. Very happy for them. I realized I'm not vegan. Um, I have learned to modify my diet and take some things out because of it, which that was good because we need natural things going into our body. that are healthy for us, not unnatural. Um, but the first thing that I wanted when I came off the mountain was a Coca-Cola and a, uh, Arby's maximum roast beef. <laughs> Because the food was all vegan. Yeah. I, you know, it's like, beat the box, you know. I'll, I'll be happy with the cardboard box. It was, we had some things that tasted, um, you know, it's like, did you did you take the box out when you mix this up? or did You, you sound leave? like the way my husband feels about the, the you know, <laughs> this <laughs> this earthy food, you know, that the, probably the saftic diet is what it is. Which is like a lot of whole grains and sometimes he'll come home and he'll ask me and this is, I'm glad you said that. This is something I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he'll come home and he'll say, so what did you eat today? Like, what have I eaten all day? Right. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I don't know why, but I'll, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell him like thinking like, why? I know he's not going to like it because it's not, right. there's no meat in my diet most of the time. So, mm-hmm. I mean... I do eat meat. If anybody's listening, I'm not trying to proclaim that I'm not eating meat. So I'll say something like the other day I said I had um, granola and I had pineapple and coffee. Like, you know, I had stuff like that. I didn't have any like meat. I just had like granola and fruit. And I think I had something else maybe. But it wasn't like, it wasn't meat. It wasn't junk food. It was just like a light snack, some sort of thing. And he said, right. uh, then he's answering me with, so you didn't eat today. That's how <laughs> he takes it. Like the way you're talking, like the way I think this is a Southern thing, like big meals. Like, isn't this a Southern thing? Like big, like, yeah. like yeah, I think the clean your plate, this is something else I wanted to talk about. So I'm glad you brought it up. Do you think that this is a big thing in the South? The whole clean your plate thing? Yes. You and do. I want you to talk about this now. <laughs> well, gladly. 
because I grew up with parents that was like, you're not going to clean your, you know, you better clean your plate. Well, unfortunately, my mom and dad, because they'd grown up in the Great Depression, and I was like, you know, we go to the grocery store, and it was like, well, we saved, you know, 17 cents at this one. Now we're going to save 28 cents at that one, and I'm thinking... We've used up a whole tank of gas on the nerves. This is how my parents worked. <laughs> and we, mother would get like an eight ounce can of peas. Well, when you drain that eight ounce can of peas, you only have two servings, and there were three of us. And I'm looking at it going, How did I survive on an ounce of peas <laughs> and, you know, lots of potatoes? There was potatoes, there was gravy, there was fried chicken, and it was. When I actually, as an adult, I was 40 years old, and I told my mother, I said, I'm I'm not drinking sweet tea anymore. I'd started on that, and that helped me drop some weight real quick. Because, I mean, we make sweet tea in the South where basically it's like, could you just put that bottle of syrup down on a straw? Yeah, it's, that's the whole thing in the South, too. If you're listening to this from, I noticed I have some international listeners. In the South, Southern states of the U.S., Sweet tea is a big deal, and it's super sweet, and it's everywhere. It's it's two. It's a one gallon jug of sweet tea. My mother used to make one gallon like syrup. Yeah, and it was syrup because it had two cups of sugar. Oh my god! You know, I, I you know how did I not become diabetic at that moment? You oh know, my just gosh! Look. And so, you know, when I walked in and told her I didn't want sweet tea anymore, you would have thought that I declared the second war on the. <laughs> You know, it was, oh, no. Kind of like when someone says they don't want to eat meat. Right. right. You're going to no. wither away and die. Yeah. And, you <laughs> That's know, what people you know, react like that. They get crazy. And it's just like potluck. You know, if somebody has potluck, it's, it becomes a competition of how many things can I put on the table? Oh, my gosh. You know, and then your plate is so full that it becomes a balancing act to hang on to the fork, your glass, your napkin, and you just eventually lose the glass, the napkin, the fork, and just, you know, you're eating with your hands. You just look crazy and just start eating. <laughs> and then everybody's passed out before the football game comes on. You know, So they, I, f- I feel like the reason I want to talk about it, because this is a fitness podcast, yoga, pod- right. yoga podcast, and I feel like that when we do stuff like, well, number one, like rewarding children with food. Oh, yeah. And that's another big thing that happens. But number two, we kind of like, we make food out into like this bad guy thing. Mm-hmm. Either like we make it the enemy and then we've put like an emotional barrier to certain kinds of like, I can't have that. <laughs> right. And, you know, if, if you don't, all you know and then that was the thing of it if mother and dad had made a cake or something that night and it was like oh okay i can carve up on cake but i can't have green beans once <laughs> crap you know so um yeah and believe it or not i went through a period where i was in high school i would sneak food out of the house out into my room because you know, I had cleaned my plate, but then there was nothing, you know, there might be one pork chop and that was going to go in the refrigerator because uh, I had a parent that made fun of me because I might want that extra pork chop or something, but, you know, I was a growing kid, and so from the time I was 10 years old till I left home, I would not eat in front of them, but I would wrap stuff up and take it back to my room 
sneaking it in and um which was easy because my dad was blind too so it was kind of like it was kind of like you know i grew up with a blind parent so i learned how children sneak things i still know people who are grown adults that won't eat certain foods in front of relatives because either they'll say something about their weight or their portion or you shouldn't eat that it's not good for you you know like starting the nagging yeah. and so um well we show up at my mother's house she punched me in the gut and go you're still fat oh my God. that's horrible oh yeah what a tragedy you, you you get punched in the gut and then told how fat you are and then she goes i got pine sweet tea do you want that now where did your mother grow up mother grew up in west alabama and she grew up in an area in an area called carbon hill in fayette alabama now fayette's a little bit bigger than it used to be. Carbon Hill may have three more people in it than it did. <laughs> I'm not dissing Carbon Hill, but... I've never even heard of Carbon Hill, and I've lived here forever. Well, it, let's put it like this. All I know is there is a Primitive Baptist uh, church, used to be, and it was next to a cow pasture, which I always thought was fascinating. And I always be damned. It did not matter what happened. Somebody hit a skunk while we were out there... <laughs> cleaning the graves doing the decoration day thing and you had to smell hot skunk while you're cleaning something and you can't get away from it and the, <laughs> and the water the, the water was over a mile away they wanted to make concrete one time and fix the grave and i'm just like can i just die here, oh man? my god oh it was just you know you don't take a 10 11 year old kid and this is your summer vacation oh I, no kidding in 1981 i was not 19 it was before i got married and had my daughter and all this other stuff there's a picture of me trying to pet a calf well i've got my arm completely extended with two fingers on this calf's ear that was it that was my petting the calf <laughs> and we were actually visiting a fan my part of the family that lives in west alabama that at the time did not have indoor plumbing and when i said they didn't have indoor plumbing the bathroom was straight out the back door and was a little wooden house with a crescent door a crescent moon on the door what what year was that 1981 oh my god <laughs> yeah i was like cotton field in the front it's concrete built <laughs> there was a pot belly stove in the front living room and you could look all the way out the back door to see the port, basically the outhouse. And I remember we went down there one summer. I think it was probably the summer I petted the calf, and that was my last time. There was actually a fight in the kitchen between one dog and one chicken over <laughs> the last piece of fried chicken. And I thought... Cannibals. Yeah, I'm going Ch to Cannibal die. chicken. So I'm just going to die here, and this is, you know, why I never... <laughs> never really looked at it it was like you know and very very odd i was very different because i wanted to go to college and get an education and things like that so i was actually the first person to graduate from high school and the first one to graduate from college in my family awesome so when i went back for a master's degree and i completed it i said mom you're ready for me to start on my phd and she said please don't make me sit anywhere else there has hard seats See, so, this I was well, talking about on another podcast about why can't we let people that we love be successful? Exactly. Why? Why do we try to hold them back? And this seems to be a pattern. 
It is. And I think it's more so, um, I don't say it's just a southern thing. I would say it's more like a regional, depending on how much um, academics is around. Like, you know the difference between living in Jacksonville where you see people that have uh, parents that teach at the university and everything else like that. And they're driven to go get another degree and then another degree. And they don't see the problem with it. Well, in my family, it was like, can we afford this? Yeah, and well, that's a fair question. Like, you know, I'm going to re-enroll, and my husband said, can we afford it? And that's a fair question. I'm like, yeah, we can afford yeah. for me to take one or two classes. And yeah. then, that's the key, and then I can apply for scholarships if right. they become available. But it's harder when you're not enrolled to even right. try to apply. See, that was the way it was with uh, going to school. I was able to get rehab to kick in half of my scholar uh, basically half of my tuition that's all I asked for when I got my master's and they did that but I paid for several classes and the first time I graduated from college because it became very difficult because um you realize when you live at home and have no responsibilities that yeah you can maintain you know at the time a 3.0 GPA and that's nothing Mm -hmm. but then later on when I went back and well when I graduated rather the first time I had a 1.9 GPA and I was hanging on to it like you know don't mm-hmm. go don't go away because <laughs> um I wanted to do better than that because I was in freshman honor society but by the time I graduated I was divorced and I was a parent of one and you you know you get out of your mind when you realize how much responsibility you have and you're only 22 years old Right. If you step back from that for a minute and go, okay, what do I have to do to make this work? You know, it's it's the same thing with approaching yoga. How yeah. am I going to work? Yeah, and, and I feel like that yoga helps goal setting. It does. And that's why I was saying, getting back to the New Year's resolution, it was the first time in my whole existence um that I completed something that I set out to do that was not just academics. Right. It something physical. It was a challenge because it was okay for me to be asthmatic because it taught me how to breathe. Yes. It, the breath is the beginning of everything. And, you know, that's where when one breath begins, the next breath you know, whenever the breath is ended, the next breath begins. And that's kind of like the way we are as human beings. When our mm-hmm. breath ends for that last time, there's somebody else that's breathing for the first time. Yes. And that's how it comes full circle. Yes. So, yeah, now with that really deep thought. That I, just, <laughs> I love like, it. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm not going to hang up yet, but we're going to say goodbye to the listeners. Thank you. And if you want to add anything for yoga inspiration before I turn off the podcast. Do you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, I would like to say thank you, Julie, for introducing <laughs> me to the world of yoga. You oh, an inspiration. That's so sweet. Thank you, and, Becky. And always, you have brought peace and tranquility sometimes to my life when I needed it the most. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you, you inspire me as well. Thank you so much, Becky. Well, thank you, and namaste to you. Namaste.